When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee. Talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Uh, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to Off the Tee. Uh, Sam Hargraves joined by the former world number 16, the only man with a two-zip record in match play golf against the Tiger Woods, the speaker course of Nick Ahern. Hello, mate. Sam, great to be here. We've got so much to talk about, haven't we? Oh, dear. <laughs> An hour, we just, it's just not enough time. It is just not enough time to go through all the doings, the oh, goings-on. We'll get as much in as we in can. The world of <laughs> there's more lawsuits. There's, there's like, um, there's, what, what would you call a secret? There's like the Illuminati of, uh, mm. of golf meeting in secret, the top 20 players in the world heeding the call of Tiger Woods to say, right, we're going to meet and we're going to figure out what to do about this live golf yeah, the situation. Se- the secret play meetings. You got to love those, <laughs> don't you? He flew on the private jet. There's paparazzi photos yeah. of him striding off the plane with purpose and intent. And of course, we're right in the middle of FedEx Cup. I know. Um, so let's start with results. We like to ease our way in and start with results. So let's start with a result that um, we all thought was a matter of when and not if. But Will Zalatoris finally saluting uh, on the U.S. tour, and this was how it unfolded on the final hole. is dangerously right. That is on a, an aggressive line. That just hops along and wedges in between the grass and that stone wall. is a PGA Tour winner. So beautifully called as it always is by Jim, uh, and he doesn't need many words to sum up exactly what the situation is, and that was exactly the situation, Nick. Finally, uh, Will Zalatoris, who's been threatening, and his results in majors of recent times have been phenomenal. He's been... He's rocketed up the, the rankings and, and he's been in top tens and top fives and he just hasn't been able to get that win. In the most wild of wild scenes, <laughs> Straka has to birdie the last to tie it up and then they go to a third hole playoff after head-scratching playoff holes that unfolded before it. Take us through it. Oh, it was crazy, wasn't it? I mean, the final round, I mean, it all started... Well, we, we can go back to the whole Cam Smith saga, but I'm not going to get onto that just yet. But Seb Straka... 
uh, played an amazing shot into the last hole to get into the playoff. They go three holes in this playoff. And the thing about Zalatoris, which is fascinating to me, is everyone thinks he's been around for quite some time, but he actually hasn't. He's still almost... He's basically a rookie. He did play some events last year, but re- mm. really this is his rookie season. And he's been playing so well, and he does so well in majors. That's the huge thing. I mean, his results in majors is unbelievable. Uh, where he lost, he was second to Matt Fitzpatrick at the U.S. Open. He lost in a playoff to Justin Thomas earlier this year, and for him to get this win is just a massive monkey off his back. But to be honest, he almost didn't. I'm not going to say he didn't deserve this win, but it was almost a win that you thought it, he almost shouldn't have won. The way the playoff sort of uh, worked its way out on one of the playoff holes, I think it was the second time around. He hit a drive well to the right. I've played this golf course many times. It's called TPC Southwind in Memphis. Great place to go because Graceland's not from that far away. You can go visit where Elvis was, which is awesome. But he's hit this drive, you know, up the right, and he's hit the cart path. It should have gone out of bounds, hit some trees, dropped down. He pitches out, makes par. I think he's in someone's front yard, wasn't he? And while he's in someone's front yard, (laughs) Sepp Straka's got a foot in the water because he couldn't land it on the fairway either. Oh, he's pulled his tee shot. Really, that ball should have gone in the water, but as it turned out, he took a drop. So whether he hit it in the water or not didn't really make much difference because he pretty much played his next shot from where it was. And rather than pitching it up the fairway, he elected to take a drop, which is a bit of a surprise, but it was a great move because he hit a shot to about six feet, made that putt after Zalatoris made about a 15-foot putt. So then they go to this third extra hole, the playoff, the 11th hole. It's a similar version, I guess you could say, as the 17th at TPC Sawgrass. It's an island green. Again, it's actually a lot bigger than the island green at Sawgrass. I've played this hole many times. Not that difficult, although, you know, in a playoff, obviously, FedEx Cup, lots of money on the line. You could say it's difficult. All Seb Stryker had to do was hit a 9-9 to the middle of the green, and it was just a horrific shot. And how Zalatoris's ball stood up, I will never know. But one thing Bounce I would have... at five bounces yeah. on cobblestone. You know what I would have loved is after he made the putt to win the playoff, I would have, I would have loved him to go back over to where that ball was originally and just chip one just to see what would have happened because I guarantee you it probably would have gone back into the water. It was a good decision because his caddy talked him into it. They deliberated over that a long time and you could even feel the commentators saying, is he going to, he's not going to, is he? Surely he's not going to. Yeah, you could get a nice close-up of it on the TV and if he'd have hit that ball, I guarantee you it would have gone backwards straight in the water. So it was a very good decision on his part. Trusted his wedge game to get it up and down. Worst case scenario, the going out, another hole in the playoff. But you know, he hit a beautiful wedge shot in there at about six feet and rolled it in. And the, you know, a lot of the criticism over this past year or so with Zalatoris has been his putting. It's a bit of a wobbly stroke from three, four, five he's got feet. Broomstick, and he's got a weird grip on the well, broomstick. It, yeah, it's not actually a broomstick. It's one of these putters which you anchor up your arm. Um, so, he's, right, so he's okay. anchoring on his arm, like yep. Matt Kuchar sort of started. And then he's also got the claw grip, so there's almost nowhere else to go after this. <laughs> yeah. But he's actually one of the better putters on tour, which you don't realise, because his stroke from three or four feet is not pretty. It is not pretty at all, but from long range, is actually pretty good. So all credit to him. He's one of the best ball strikers in the world, and he finally got that win. Start of the year, ranked number 34 in the world. A lot of that's because of his majors form. He's now number nine. Uh, in the world and, and and looming. You mentioned his record in majors. So he's played in 11 and he's had six top 10 finishes. That's incredible. Three seconds. Mm. It's uh, just incredible. I mean... He's a big-time he, player. He's a big-time player. You're exactly right. I mean, on the Corn Ferry Tour, when he was there, he almost dominated that tour, uh, won several events there, and got promotion up to the big tour. 
and the majors is funnily, funnily enough where he flourishes and, and he's kind of got that twinkle in his eye that look that when the pressure's on he thrives and he loves it and that's what you hope to see in the young players second at the Masters 2021 second in the PGA Championship this year second at the US Open tied for second this year uh, he, he withdrew from uh, the Open Championship last year um, and played this year and was tied for 28th so disappointing <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. No, everything it's... else has got single figures at some point but um, it, and the other thing, the, the, the man he beat, Seb Strucker, misses six cuts in a row coming to this tournament mm. and then is all of a sudden in a playoff. That's the beauty of this game, isn't and, it? And tied for sixth, um, he was um, Will Zalatoris at the Masters this year. Best of the Aussies, Adam Scott, tied for fifth, played really well. Yeah, he needed to as well because he was outside that top 70 in the FedEx Cup World Rankings because this event was the top 125, and now the top 70 move into the second playoff event. He was ranked 77 coming in, and he shot up to 45. Had a really good last round of four under par. Uh, Cam Davis, another solid event for him, tied 13th. He, uh, he went to 51st on the rankings. Cam Smith, who... Now, there's a bit of controversy with Cam. We can go through that. There was a lot. So we know that the tournament started with him having to deflect, duck... He, the three Ds of dodgeball he executed mm. perfectly. <laughs> Duck, dodge, dip, dive, and dodge. He did all of it in the presser beforehand about the belief that the reports are confirm, saying that there is no doubt now it's locked in, he is going to live golf. He is. He did say, though, in an interview during the tournament, he said, I know I'm going to come under some heat. Mm. Prepared to cop some heat, he said. Prepared to cop some he heat. He still has not said that he's going. That's the thing. I know everyone's saying, but he's said he's not... He hasn't made a commitment yet. So, obviously, the people around him that know him are saying, yes, he's going. Yeah. But until he says, I'm just going to keep that one on the fence. But the, he had a couple of interesting things. First round, Scotty Scheffler walks over his line. What did you make of this? <laughs> Everyone made such a big deal of it. It happens. I've done it before. It it's it? happened to me. Yes, it does. It's a, it's a rare incidence. And Scheffler was playing terrible at the time. So he was he saw he didn't actually walk on his line. He walked uh, on the line between Cam and where his ball was, where, and and it wasn't between the ball and the mm. hole. So you got to realize that it's one of those you know etiquette things where you go, oh gee, that was that was a bit of a you know I guess you could say a bit of a stupid move. But he probably didn't know he did it, and and it got blown up. Cam just sort of yeah, no problem at all. In Gave him a look, he happens, and then went back to yeah, exactly. sizing up his part. Scotty's not a guy that would do but that. But it is one of the first things my nan taught me when she taught me how to play. Uh, don't you ever walk across somebody's line? <laughs> yeah, and people started saying, "Oh, well, maybe he's thinking he's going to live. I'm just going to annoy him a little bit here." But you know, that's that's something. The other thing that happened to him was he got that two-stroke penalty. Uh, after the second round, I don't know if you saw that at all, but yeah. he, his ball—he didn't take proper relief, so he did break the rule. But they waited till just before the third round on the Saturday, the next day, to penalise him two shots. Now, there's a bit of an issue with this rule because a lot of people would have put money on him basically going into that third round, mm. and oh, actually, sorry, into the fourth into the round. Fourth, yeah, it was I didn't want to correct round. you, was, no. but uh, yeah, it was going no, into right. the fourth. So all those people that put money on him have all of a sudden gone. Hang on, now he's two shots further back. Well, maybe I shouldn't have. So they need to sort of sort sort that stuff out. I would imagine. But and then afterwards, after the tournament, he's now withdrawn from the next FedEx Cup event through what he calls hip discomfort. That was the big thing. So now all the again the people who are saying he's going to live, it's like a a bit of a stuff you sort of moment to say, well, you know, you gave him this two shot penalty. Uh, I'm going to withdraw mm. from the next. He's only event. four shots off the pace. Too, and we know how he likes to close out a, yeah. a final day. But that made him six shots off. Can can still remarkably, considering where he's placed, 
it is still possible that he can win it. Oh, quite easily, yeah. yeah. I mean, he'll miss this week's event, no problem. I mean, he moved from, what was it, second on the FedEx Cup list to number three. After this week, he'll probably move back further to seven or eight, still be in the top ten. So if he wins the last event, he'll win the FedEx Cup. And that carrot there is dangling of $18 million US dollars for the FedEx Cup winner. So it's, uh, it's one of those things. That, and again, some people are saying, well, he wanted a week off to rest because after that final event, then you've got a couple of live golf tournaments going on. So he didn't want to play four weeks in a row. There's so much rumours going around. It's incredible. Because the first live event is, I think, September 2nd that he would be playing in if he is, uh, as everybody believes, <laughs> and as everybody as is you reporting... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that it's the reporting is just so is just so definitive, um, and anybody who's connected to anybody within the tour and uh, they're just unequivocal now. So, yeah. um, and the fact that he just hasn't denied it. Yeah, I know. It's... Everybody who's been linked to it has been very quick to say, "I'm not." More often than not, we know that Phil had an implosion, and mm. we're not quite sure what happened with him there. But those who aren't and were linked were very quick and decisive to say uh-uh i'm not going yeah i know he's been asked several times and he you know the, we had the whole uh you know when when you want some news on something cameron smith will tell you not cameron percy that was last week because cam percy came out and said he was going along with mark leishman i actually haven't heard any comments from mark leishman you know as to whether he's confirmed or denied it as well, well you so know why because one. he's getting the nice little slipstream <laughs> in behind cam all the attention at cam flying under the, the radar attention at cam and then just at the last little minute he'll pop out and cross the line the live line exactly yeah i mean i think the less time those guys spend in front of uh, microphones the better basically and that's they're looking to avoid microphones at all costs so uh, there's still so much to get through. Uh, we've only just scratched the surface. There is plenty still to come on Off The Tee. You can get involved with us, 0433981116. You can call as well, 1300-736-736. We'll tap into Nick's knowledge. There'll be a tip from Nick Ahern to finish out the show, as there always is, from his uh, book, How To Play Your Best Golf. Uh, and for our very new friends at Big Swing Golf, where you can go and play a simulation of the greatest courses around the world, uh, Nick Ahern, who's actually played them, is going to give us uh, his rundown of a particular course that tickles his fancy this week. We'll reveal that a little later on as well. This is Off The Tee. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick Ohern and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. We still need to discuss the top 20, the secret players meeting that's not so secret now, called by Tiger Woods, a call to arms. Uh, the bat signal went up, or the tiger signal went up, and uh, everybody answered the call. So we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. And um, and also Patrick Reed's lawsuit uh, that he has lodged, a defamation lawsuit, which is, well, I'll be careful what I say, because it looks <laughs> like he'll sue anyone for anything. Um, just a couple other results. Hey, we didn't get through the rest of the Aussies at the FedEx and Jude's Championship. This is the first stage of uh, the FedEx Cup. Uh, Will Zalatoris winning it, third hole of the sudden death playoff. Cam Smith, uh, sorry, Adam Scott, we mentioned, tied for fifth. Um, tied for 13th, along with Cam Smith, was Cam Davis. Um, having a really solid year, isn't he? And, and, and pockets about $260,000 US. He does, and uh, moves up to 51st in that FedEx Cup rankings, which is very important. He'll need to improve into that top 30 to get into the last event, the third of the playoffs. But another good week here, and uh, and he can shoot right up there. Mark Leishman didn't play very well. 
Uh, he ended he's having up having a tough year, isn't he? He's least? having a bit of. Well, again, I wouldn't feel too sorry for him. He's still, uh, you know, he moved back to 68th on the on the FedEx Cup list, mm. so he's doing okay. And a couple of miscuts uh, by Jason Day had a great first round, and then he it all fell away in yeah. round two. And he, now he's out of it. He's going to have a bit of time off now because he's out of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, and Lucas Herbert, uh, he missed the cut as well, but he's still in there. He's 54th. Just a couple of the funny, funnier stories that came out of it. I don't know if you saw uh, Denny McCarthy. I've been trying to find the audio of it, but I haven't been able to. Um, Denny McCarthy, all-time birdie, I reckon you would say. Um, he had his tee shot on the second hole land in, you know, those fold-out camping chairs? Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember seeing a picture of this. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it landed in the, what is the, the stubby holder. Yeah, play it as it lies, right? <laughs> So has to obviously they have to remove it from there. And um, he's in the the sawdust sort of stuff though. Ended up making a birdie. Oh, that's the beauty of golf. After landing yeah. it in the cup holder the of cup somebody's holder. chair. Yeah, no, I've I've seen a couple of things like that in in backpacks and uh, someone's blanket when they're having a picnic and things like Where's that. Where's the weirdest pot, spot you ever put a ball? Oh, well, out of bounds, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> now I've, I've hit a few people, which is never nice. So um, you, you just yell for and just hope. He, he launched the shot through the trees and off the rough, um, in, into the rough sort of sawdust stuff, um, nearly 33 feet from the hole, but he was able to make the birdie with a monster putt. So that was an awesome. Cam Smith, by the way, is getting a lot of knocks at the moment, but a shot of his that actually broke the phone of a spectator. Not only did he sign some paraphernalia for him, he got the guy's details and uh, said, I'll replace that, and a new iPhone 13 uh, showed up at that spectator. So that is a lovely gesture from Cam Smith. Because I think it's, if you rock up to a golf tournament, you know that if you're in the gallery, then balls may find you. Mm. And whatever will be, will be. You, you you know that going in. So I think that's a really nice gesture from Cam Smith. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, the tour has an insurance policy, so if anyone does get injured when they're in there, it's on their tickets, things like that, you know, the, in, the, uh, in the, I guess, the, the fine print. But if anything happens and someone gets injured, then it's all covered. But a phone, that's impressive by Cam to go out of his way to do that for sure. I know there's another, um, a lot of other Aussie results we've got to get through, but... What about uh, the a special week for Harrison Endicott? It was, yeah, on the Corn Ferry Tour. Mm. He wrapped up his, his PGA Tour card for next season, which is just amazing. And he's done that by being in the top 25 from the, from the year-long season that they have. There's another chance for four other players to get a card as well. They're going into what they call the Corn Ferry Finals. But Harrison yep. Endicott's played great all year, had one victory back in May. And it was really kind of an emotional thing for him. I don't know if you saw any of the highlights, but he ended up finishing 55th in the last event of the season before the final start. But his dad, Brian, was there, which was mm. fantastic. And you yep. just see how much it meant to both of them because his mum passed away uh, some years ago with ovarian cancer. And now he's got his dad and he flew over for this final event. And I believe he got about the 21st card out of the 25. It was fantastic. Turned prime in 2017 and took the road a little bit less travelled. Wanted to get out of his comfort zone. I was reading the report on the, the PGA website, um, pga.org, the Australian one. He went and played the PGA Tour Latin America circuit. He played in Guatemala, Mexico, Costa Rica, Brazil. Um, three consecutive top five finishes. Um, late in the year, he finished 19th on the order of merit. And then it was that he went to the Corn Ferry and he's been plying his trade there for a few years now. And uh, reward for effort, perseverance, rap for him. Oh, absolutely. And he's, you know, he's done it the hard way. I mean, that Latino tour, that's, that is a grind. Ryan mm. Ruffles has been there, down there trying to play and plot his way around. And it's, it's, you know, it's a stepping stone to get into, into the bigger events. And, and Harrison's done really well. The, the four other players that are starting in this Corn Ferry Tour finals uh, this particular week, they're the first events in Boise, Idaho. Uh, is Anthony Quayle, and you've got Minwoo Lee. 
he's actually coming across to play in these finals. He's like 68 in the world, and he's trying to get a card on the PGA Tour. Jason Scrivener, uh, and also uh, someone who's won several times on the PGA Tour, Aaron Badley. He didn't have a great year, but he stayed within that top 200, and he'll be trying to get one uh, a card back on the main tour. What about some other results from uh, Aussies abroad? Oh, we had an event. Uh, it was an interesting one. Uh, the LPGA and the, which is the US Women's Tour and the mm. European Ladies Tour, the LET, played an event alongside the Men's DP World Tour, so the Europeans uh, over in Northern Ireland at the Galgorm and Massarine Golf Clubs. Um, on the men's side, Scotland's Ewan Ferguson. He won uh, by two over fellow Scott uh, Connor Syme. And on the women's side, Maya Stark. This is uh, our Maya Stark. Maya we've been, Stark. We've been talking her up since she came out to Australia earlier this year. New South Wales uh, Open, is that right? Or was it the... Uh, won bon- their Bonville. Bonville Classic. Yeah, the, That's the, the, the classic one. at Bonville. That's correct, yeah. So, so she, she had a win. So now she gets her LPGA tour card because it's co-sanctioned with big, the LAT. Big things. I'm massive. telling you, big things coming for Maya Stark, the a- Swede. Absolutely massive. On the men's side, for in, in this particular uh, event for the Aussies, Jake McLeod was best at Tide 23. And on the women's, Karis Davidson... Uh, T18. I want to give a big shout out on the Epson Tour, which is a secondary tour on the women's side, to Cassie Porter, who played, yeah. in, played in her first event over there, the Four Wind Invitational at South Bend. Finished tied for eighth. An amazing event, uh, effort in her first event, which was great. Tell us a bit more about Cassie. Well, Cassie's for a Queenslander, and she's actually coached by my former caddy, Daniel Morrison, which is an interesting one. Way back when, when I won the, you know, I hate to say it, the 1999 Coolham Classic, uh, Morrow was on my bag, and now he's He's a, a coach and an outstanding um, coach in that at the Bridging Golf Club there up uh, up in Queensland, and uh, he's been guiding Cassie for quite a while now. Re- had a very good season on the WPGA Tour here in Australia, played a lot of events, very consistent player, and she's going to go some places. Let me tell you, this girl has a great head on her shoulders, a very good game, and has a good team around her. Brilliantly done. Uh, any other results that have tickled your fancy? Well, you know, Steve Olker on the Champions Tour, I know he's in New Zealand and not in Aussie, but he just keeps rolling along. Finished fifth over there, uh, David McKenzie. That was the big one over there. Finished second. And David's a bit of a journeyman player. He's had some decent results on the Champions Tour, but he finished second. That moved him up into fifty. Uh, sorry, 45th in the Charles Schwab Cup, which is a big thing. You've got to be in that top 50. Uh, other Aussies there, tied eighth from Rod Pampling and tied 33rd from, uh, from Stephen Leaney. More events to come in that regard. Aussies are doing well, and another good thing is we've, the Australian uh, new schedule just got announced as well, which is a huge thing. Uh, we've got 16 really good events coming up, and the biggest thing about these this new schedule is it's a pathway for all these young local Australians to get onto the big tours. They offer cards onto the DP World Tour, uh, pathways into qualifying schools over in the US, into Asia. It's a really good schedule coming up. Before we come back with the, the big news items in the world of golf and Lord knows there's plenty of those. Um, I was having a think about this as we've been talking. Will Zalatoris, so he claims his first win, and it would have been eating away. He hasn't been on the tour for very long, but the, when will he, when will he, when will he, and the pressure starts to build. With all delicacy and due respect, it was it was something that you weren't able to claim in your illustrious career, a, a PGA to a win. I can take it. Did it I? eat away <laughs> at you, and, and does it still? I... I, you know, it's funny. I was talking about my wife, uh, talking about this to my wife earlier today. You know, talking about different things, and you know, I actually said, oh, "I wish I'd have won more." I mean, my game, interestingly enough, was was built on consistency. So I had a lot of top tens, a lot yeah. of good finishes, hit a lot of fairways, a lot of greens. But 
to, do, to win, you got to do Top something. Top twenty special. in the world. Yeah, I mean, and that was a big criticism of me. They used to say to me, "You're, you're number sixteen in the world, and you haven't won any over here in the US." And I used to say, "Well, I see it as a compliment. It means I'm pretty consistent." <laughs> <laughs> but they'd get annoyed with that answer. So, but for a player who who hasn't won, you know, like a Will Zalatoris, he's early on in his career. Yeah. If you're a hundred, two hundred events into your career and you haven't won, then then it's going to grind it on you. But he's you know still only played thirty or forty yep. events on the PGA Tour, if that. Uh, so he's got a long way ahead of him to go. And he's had some very close finishes. And the thing about winning, as I said earlier, was he's been unlucky not to win those other ones. People have almost stolen it from him. This mm. one, uh, I, I think he was lucky to win this one. Seb Straker had this one wrapped up if he could hit the middle of the green on that third playoff hole, but he didn't, and Will just took advantage of it, and all, all credit to him. Is there a tournament that sticks in your mind as that was the one? That, that, that was the one there that I really should have. Well, there was one in the European Tour. I was playing the Qatar uh, tournament, the one in Qatar, Doha, Qatar, and yep. uh, I had a two-shot lead with two holes to go, and my playing partner, Ratif Goosen, was playing with me. I finished par-par, and I lost the tournament. He finished birdie eagle. Oh, Ratif. Yeah. I'll, Come on, Goose. Not happy. I mean, <laughs> he ended up being a neighbour of mine in the US, and uh, I mentioned it to him one day. You still remember that putt that you hold in the last, that 60-footer? He says, oh, do I ever. <laughs> wow. Uh, Nick Ahern, of course, uh, is the star of this show, Off the Tee. Sam Hargrave's here as well. If you've got anything you'd like to add, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is the number. You can text in 0433981116. We'll be back with the big ticket items, the big news stories of the week in the world of golf after this. You're listening to Off the Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off the Tee podcast. Uh, it's this time every week we discuss the major news headlines in the world of golf. To get involved, one 736 736 You can text in 0433 98 Um, Nick O'Hearn, I think when Tiger Woods puts out a rally cry and says, I know that we're all focusing on the BMW Championship, which is uh, starting tonight. Uh, they tee off just after 11 o'clock uh, our time. I think the early groups start to go. Um, but I need to see you all, world top 20, assemble. <laughs> uh, and assemble they did. So talk us through this this story, and, and it's a pretty big move. Tiger Woods, we know, um, knocked back about a billion dollars to be part of Live, and has been one of the most vocal opponents to it on the tour and the most openly critical of players who have signed with Live Golf. Mm. Yeah, well, from what I know, I mean, they had a scheduled player meeting with the PGA Tour uh, board uh, as as part of, you know, they, they have these regular sort of meetings that they have now. This one was probably scheduled to talk to the players a little bit more, just an update about what's happening with Live, what's happening with the tour, what their plans are for future schedules, things like that. And then they've almost had this side meeting where the top 20 to 30 guys, I, I'm not ex- actually sure of the numbers, have decided to get together and say, okay, let's, um, you know, let's discuss amongst ourselves maybe what our plan of attack is, what the best course of action is, whatever questions you have that come up. And obviously we know on the news we saw Tiger Woods fly in on the jet. Ricky Fowler was with him, which was very good of Ricky. It so, sort of actually goes goes to tell you what his mm. thoughts are because he's been one of these players which has been sitting on the fence of saying, well, I'm not actually quite sure. I may go, I may not. And his form of the last few years hasn't been good. So you can almost see why he would go. So that now puts him in the camp of he's on Tiger's side, obviously. Uh, Rory McIlroy, I thought he made a great comment, you know, because they were talking to him about, okay, you know, who sort of led the meeting, all, all this sort of stuff. Mm. And Rory goes, well, 
you know, uh, there was one alpha in the room and it definitely wasn't me. So. <laughs> and he's the world number three. So we don't even know if Cam Smith was there. No, we don't. Well, I don't think he was because he wasn't at the golf tournament. He pulled out. So yeah. I doubt he was there. Um, in, in that, oh, actually, sorry. Yeah, no, he's pulled out of this, this week's yes, tournament. Yes, he has. So, so he would not have been there, I don't think. And to be honest, I don't think he would have wanted to be there because if he's going to live, mm. well, hang on, he's not going to be there. So Roy McIlroy also said, I think it shows how much he cares about the tour. I think it shows how much he cares about the players that are coming through and are going to be the next generation. Um, he said, like it or not, they, PGA, can't really sell Tiger Woods anymore. The tour had an easy job for 20 years. They don't have Tiger, yes. They've got a bunch of us, and we're all great players, but we're not Tiger Woods. We're moving into a different era, and we just have to think about these things uh, a little differently. World number seven, Justin Thomas, said that was huge. He's been great. Uh, he's been a great kind of – he's been – he has been a great kind of leading role in a lot of ways in the game for a lot of us. He he came because it was important to him. It probably was just not something that he felt was appropriate to do over Zoom or just call in. I think it shows how passionate he is about golf and wanting to improve it. So he's not even playing in this tournament, but it's, a vo- it's as a volatile a time as there's been in the history of golf, and leadership is needed regardless of what side you sit on this and where your allegiance will fall. But leadership is needed because it is uncharted waters. It certainly is. And, and years ago, a similar sort of thing happened with the tour, and the person they called up was Arnold Palmer to come in and have a chat. Mm. And when Arnie came, he's the king, you listen. So in this case, we've got, you know, I guess you'd call the current king, which is Tiger Woods. For a lot of these young players, they probably have never played with him or against him because you know, they're sort of coming through the ranks and, and they wouldn't have played, you know, in those peak years in the early two to 2000s and mid-2000s to 2010. That was when I was playing, so I knew the full effect of what Tiger had over the field and the aura that he dragged with him. Now, mm. he, I think his words in this meeting, again, I don't know exactly what would have happened, but it would have revolved around, about, uh, around okay, guys, we've got a history that we need to keep. There's this legacy in the sport, his legacy especially, that he wants to keep going. I mean, if it goes down this exhibition route, which they're talking of, whether you're winning majors, tournaments, those sorts of things, that's almost going to get diminished as it goes along, whereas... He wants to keep a tradition in the game, the 72 holes, playing for something, meaning something. Mm. And in a way, I can sort of see him protecting his legacy in a way. Um, but it, I, I full credit to him for going. This is an easier thing to accomplish in a sport that is not a team sport. This mm. is an individual sport. So is there potential that he has said, right, we need to unify and we need to start exerting, whether it be, if they want to preserve what they have, and I'm... Do they now need to start campaigning the majors to say, hey, don't let these go? I mean, because because the players have been speaking out about the other players. Oh, you shouldn't go. Or, you, sh- you know, I'm going or I'm not going. You shouldn't have gone. You can't have it both ways. You, you know, you, you, now there's a group that are suing. Um, we'll talk about that in just a moment as well. The three were unsuccessful in getting to play in the St. Jude. Is it now that the players need to actually push a little harder? If they are looking to preserve what they've got, to actually go and put pressure on Augusta, go and put pressure on the majors to say, don't let these guys play. Well, they can, but I'm not sure how they stand from a legal uh, mm. basis. So whether the rules or the bylaws say certain things, I don't know at the moment. If you're top 50, and, and okay, so here's a couple of things that are in their favour, the PGA Tour, world ranking points is a massive thing right now. Live golf tournaments are not going to get world ranking points for at least a year, probably two to three years, to be honest. Because it's going to drag through it's the gonna dra- it's, yep. Well, it has to take a while to, yep. to approve these points. Whether courts or not, it doesn't matter. You mm. apply for world ranking points, and then that's a, at least one-year process to get world ranking points. 
Things that are not in their favour, 54-hole event, no cut, limited field. Those three things don't equate to world ranking points in the beginning. So Liv are going to actually have to change their model if they want to get these points, I believe. Mm. So that's going to take all these players. The only guy that's going to be left in that top 50 at the end of the year, I think, will be Dustin Johnson. The rest of them are outside the top 50. If you haven't won a major, sorry, but you're never going to play a major again unless other things happen down the road. If you have won a major, well, then you've got exempt status and things like that. However... When Patrick Reed goes and sues the PGA Tour and all this sort of stuff, and, and, you know, in effect, he's, well, sorry, he's not suing the PGA Tour. He's suing Golf Channel and Brandel Shamley, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I don't think Augusta National is going to take too kindly to that. I have a feeling they could just turn around and say, Patrick Reed, who's a Masters champion, mm. uh, sorry, don't bother coming this year. We're not inviting you. And they're well within their right to do that because they, they have a tournament which isn't really based on rules, to be honest. They kind of make their rules up as they go. (laughs) The other majors, now they have certain rules and regulations to follow, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the Masters is a different boat. So that's going to be the interesting one for me, the Masters. The majors have a big influence this and world ranking points. And those two areas are where this could be very, very interesting in the next six months. Jeff off the text thinks that the PGA Tour is dead. I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Again, I would love to, and, and, and again, there's different ways to see this. Some people are saying, well, they have to figure out a way to coexist. The PGA Tour, if they, they keep just you know, butting their heads and saying, no, we, we're not going to let them in, not going to let them in, that's going to be a tough battle in the long run, and it'll drag, go through the courts, because Liv aren't going to give up. They've got all this money you know, to spend, et cetera, et cetera. We know they're around for a long time. So this coexistence sort of theory going around at the moment definitely has some merit. They've, w- they've spent half on... They've spent about half of what the PGA spend on players every year on five or six players. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? And I mean, there was a point came up recently about, well, the PGA Tour raises all this money for charity, et cetera, and Liv has gone, oh, charity? Okay, well, how much have they done it? Well, if they put in $100 million this year, well, oh, here's a check for $100 million. There you go, bang. And they, they just solved that problem right in a stroke of a check. I mean, it's just amazing how much money they have and what they can do. So, But there is a line of thought, too, that, that the PGA has, has had this coming for a long time because they've ridden roughshod over the players. They, they've been demanding. They've been uh, unwavering. They've been, you know, almost dictatorial in the way that they have treated a lot of the players, which is what Greg Norman's been rallying against for a long time. Um, they've done nothing for Australian golf, so that's why I think Liv has looked a little bit differently um, by Australians and maybe elsewhere around the world. Um, th- there is that too. I mean, they are trying to take steps now to, to, to curry favour with the players, extra tournaments, extra money, all that kind of stuff. But is for some, that damage would almost be irreparable. I, I can tell you now, if you're a PGA Tour player and you've been there a lot of years, you should not be complaining about how you've been treated on the PGA Tour. Okay. They do amazing things for their players. They have a retirement fund for them. So they're set for, you know, a long time if they played there for a lot of years. They've paid millions of dollars to play golf. If they play well, it's a performance-based sport. We all know that. Mm. They have these, you know, areas for families, everything to do around that. They Players get treated like royalty on the PGA Tour. Not Well, not royalty. I, I shouldn't say that. Players on the Live Tour, apparently they get treated like royalty <laughs> when you look at the yeah. planes they're flying yeah. and things like that. But... They shouldn't complain, put it that way. Um, you know, and one of the things about this lawsuit recently uh, with Taylor Gooch, Hudson Swafford and Matt Jones when they lost that uh, lawsuit last week for them to play in the playoffs, you know, part of their legal uh, expertise, the way they portrayed them was these th- three poor boys because they're going to be, you know, losing money if they don't play these playoffs. I'm sorry, but they're not three poor boys. I mean, they're, they're doing well themselves. They were just trying to get back into tournaments that they wanted to. 
I didn't quite agree with that myself. I think, look, if you go to live, I can understand why you go. Go ahead and do it, no problem at all, but don't try and come back and then play on the PGA Tour as well. That's that's double-dipping in my opinion. Um, I can see a, an instance where you would have a season on the PGA Tour where you go, right, from January through to August or September, play your schedule, do the FedEx Cup playoffs, and then for two or three months after that, Maybe we can have these exhibition-style events with the Live Golf. That way, there's a coexistence in there that you could figure out, but the details of that is obviously, you know, many and varied, and that's where the two parties have to come together. Whether that happens, I don't know. Any update on the antitrust lawsuit that was filed by 11 of the Live Golfers, including Phil Mickelson, uh, against the PGA? Uh, the only update I knew was one player took his name off that. might have been Carlos Ortiz or someone like that took his name off. So there's only 10 now rather than 11, I believe. Not sure why he took his name off. Maybe he just didn't feel as though it was appropriate for him to sue the PGA Tour. Has a, that has given him a pretty good start in this game. That's going to drag on for years, that one, that antitrust lawsuit. That'll take a long time unless, again, the two parties come together and they figure this out. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. Now, if Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy and these 20 players that got together have then gone, you know, they've discussed all this, and then they go to the... Um, the chairman or the sorry the commissioner jay monaghan and say look you need to sit down with these guys then there might be some uh, opportunity to coexist as they say uh and we don't have much time but the other update of this is that patrick reed uh, who's not everyone's favorite golfer it must be said he's <laughs> uh lodged a defamation lawsuit against the golf channel and analyst uh brandall shambly uh, in the U.S. District Court, he claims that he's been the victim of calculated malicious attacks that have had a direct effect on his livelihood. Uh, among the suit's background facts, uh, he claims that Shambly and the Golf Channel has actively targeted him and destroyed his reputation, create hate and a hostile work environment uh, for the player. And he's suing them for $750 million U.S. Uh, in damages. So that is extraordinary. I think it just topped everything off, really, didn't it? It's yep. uh, it's one of those things where you go, are you serious? Um, if there's one guy I thought that wouldn't sue, you know, for a defamation of character, it might have been Patrick Reed. But the discovery part of that case will be very interesting, put it that way. Yeah, um, it's well known on tour that Mr. Reed has been abused and endured more than any other golfer from fans or spectators who have been allowed to scream obscenities only to be glorified by NBC's golf channel for doing so, the suit reads. So, yeah, we'll... Keep an eye on that one. Hey, uh, to finish up, uh, all thanks to our very good friends at Big Swing Golf. You're going to take us uh, to another one of your favourite golfing courses around the world that you can play on a simulator at Big Swing Golf in any one of their locations up and down the eastern seaboard. Uh, head to their website to find out more. And uh, we'll tap into Nick's knowledge, uh, a tip of the week coming from how to play your best golf. It's all still to come on Off the Tee. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. Uh, Big swing golf, indoor golf, real fun and fast. This place is absolutely phenomenal and you can play a simulator of some of the greatest courses from around the world. You can head there with friends. They've got food and drinks. You can do casual play. You can do functions, your family. It's all teed up for. They've got their own league. There's coaching and all that kind of stuff as well. This place is absolutely phenomenal. Bigswinggolf.com.au. We're proud to have them on board off the tee. Sam Hargraves, Nick Ahern. So, Nick, we thought, given that uh, due to the the expertise of big swing golf and the fact that you can go uh, all around the world uh, on the, the simulator, um, that you would take us to 
one of your favourite courses that anyone can go to a big swing golf course and play. Last week we did Pebble Beach. Where are you taking us this week? I'm taking you to a golf course that if I'd have played every week a tournament there, I would have been number one in the world. <laughs> Is this right? I love this golf course. It's in Hilton Head Island in South Carolina, a place called Harbour Town. Uh, on the PGA Tour, that's where they have the RBC Heritage Golf Tournament. And the final hole is quite, kind of famous because behind the 18th green is a big lighthouse. And it's, it's the scene uh, of, of many tournaments that have come down to the wire and playoffs and some rules controversies and things like that. It sits on the edge of what's called the Calabogie Sound. One year I played there uh, with Brant Snedeker and he put on one of the most amazing putting displays I've ever seen. Hold everything. Uh, we were coming around about 15th going into the last round. He ended up losing in a playoff to, sorry, winning in a playoff to uh, Luke Donald, I believe he beat. But uh, it's one of those golf courses I absolutely love because it's not long. It's very strategic. You need to work your way around the golf course because it's very tight off the tee, a lot of overhanging trees and things like this. But I used to love hitting a low driver around the golf course where most people hitting irons, I'd hit this low chasing driver. So length, I was almost one of the longest hitters out there because I was you know, hitting driver basically on every hole. But the last few finishing holes are brilliant out there. And if you play it on the simulator, the 16th is a beautiful par four, dogleg left um, around uh, this long bunker and these pine trees. You've got to avoid 17s, a magnificent par three. I think Boo Weekly chipped in on that hole one year to, uh, to win when it was blowing a gale because the wind can get up these last couple of holes. And then on the 18th, it's this tee shot which basically has a, a fairway almost as wide as the 18th at St Andrews I mean it's one of the widest fairways you've ever seen in your life but it's all about the second shot on this last hole, it's one of the most dramatic second shots uh, on the PGA Tour it's an amazing place to play and I'd love to do it on the simula simulator soon and I can't wait to revisit it I'm looking forward to heading out there as well and we'll definitely be uh, taking up uh, some of your favourite courses, Big Swing Golf uh, .com.au. There are venues all around Australia. New South Wales, Queensland, Tassie, in the country, Victoria, in Vic Metro as well. So just jump onto their website, Big Swing Golf, uh, indoor golf, real fun, fast. If you don't know where you're having your work Christmas party or your work breakup event or just a team-building exercise, if you don't know where you're going to go for some Friday night fun with the family, Big Swing Golf. They cater for all of your needs. There's food and drinks and everything that I just mentioned as well. And you can play 84 different courses from around the world, including some where Nick Ahern has just torn to shreds, as he's just been telling us. Hey, um, we don't have a heap of time. Um, we've gone a little over time on the, uh, the Big Swing Golf there. But just your tip to finish off, how to play your best golf. We've got about a minute and a half left in the show. <laughs> okay. uh, just a little quick tip to finish up with. Sure. I posted something on social media this week uh, from my book, uh, which was to do with warming up. So a bit of pre-game preparation, I think, is really important. And how you warm up before your round is a real key. Now, I used to have three different warm-ups, depending on how much time I had. A five-minute, a 15-minute, and a 45-minute warm-up. My 45-minute one was one I used when I was playing tournaments, obviously. That was my full warm-up. The five-minute one, which is kind of one that I posted on uh, on Instagram the other day, was just more of a, you know, get warm very, very quickly. And there's a nice little drill where you can put five balls in a row diagonally away from you and you hit each one without even stopping. Gets the heart rate going really, really quickly. Uh, gets the footwork going as well. And if you can middle them and hit them up in the air, you're, you're very, very good. But... Uh, the thing about warming up is don't worry too much about you hitting the ball, how you're hitting the ball. It's all about just loosening the muscles, getting a feel for the club face, you know, how you're gripping the club. And then especially, that's really important, try and roll a few putts so you get a feel for the speed of the greens. Because when you go out in the golf course, putting is so important and you need to get a feel for how the uh, ball's coming off the putter face and, and what, the green speed's, what the green speed is going to be that day. 
So it sounds like a simple one, but it, it, we know that in every single sport, it, your ability to warm up affects your, how you are going to, your ability to play. And I reckon that a lot of golfers just walk up to the first and just swing for the fences without doing any kind of warm up, getting the eye in in any way, shape, or form. So it's a great tip. Hey, we'll speak to you next week. All right, look forward to it, Sam. Uh, that's it from Off the Tee. It's all up on the podcast, sen.com.au. More sporting capital after this. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91